third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome back. Episode 21 of the Third and 20 podcast. My name is Frank Entwistle. We got my co-host here, Ryan Steed. What's going on, Ryan? What's going on? And to kick off this episode, I just wanted to give a PSA. I wanted to give a PSA as to possibly... I don't necessarily want to say he's underrated because he's definitely not. But I think underrated on the large scale of good defensive players. He just won Defensive Player of the Month this week. That is Buda Baker. And I just wanted to shout him out because I was sitting there watching that primetime Seattle Seahawks-Arizona Cardinals matchup. Great football game. Great. And Buda Baker was just all over the field. You, you couldn't watch this game without seeing this guy just everywhere. There was a stretch... Um, either late in the second or early in the third quarter, where he made like five or six tackles in a row. And that was after that almost pick six where he got chased down by uh, by DK Metcalf, which shout out to DK Metcalf because that was crazy. But everyone already knows about that. But Buda Baker, I legitimately believe not only is he the best safety in the NFL, I think you can make an argument that he's the, the best D-back in the NFL right now. The guy is playing that well. Yeah, dude, I, I agree. Like, I, he, he's a complete game-changer on that defense. You looked how, like, the defense, uh, the Cardinals' defense performed in that Carolina game when he was uh, going undergoing thumb surgery, I'm pretty sure, oh. and he missed that game. And, I mean, they lost to the thirds, and that was just a – Bad game all around for the defense. So when he's on the field, he's just like one of those players. You know, the the focus point on the defense that can literally carry the load, and he's all over the field, and he just makes everyone around him better. So I I agree with you. Like, Buda Becker's really, like, opened up eyes this year to, like, where always had talent, was underrated coming in, but now people are saying he's the best, you know, D-back in the league and things like that. And I, I completely agree. Like the Cardinals' defense is not not nearly as good without him, and they are not they're not five and two without him. Kyler can play MVP or whatever, but without Buda Baker, they they are not a team that's you know threatened to win this NFC West division. Yeah, I th- I think to kind of put it in perspective, I have heard a whole lot of people compare safeties in this day and age to guys like Troy Polamalu because I'm a huge Steelers fan. Troy Polamalu is like my idol growing up, my favorite player. And I've heard plenty of guys that are really good safeties. Don't get me wrong. They're very good football players. But they're always like, oh, you know, whether it's Jamal Adams or even like Minka Fitzpatrick now on the Steelers, there's been plenty of safeties that have came into the league that that are talented. And they're saying, oh, well, this guy's like the next Polamalu. I think that the only one that really warrants that comparison is Buda Baker. The way that he plays, he is an absolute missile, a missile. He covers so much ground. He's all over the field, good in coverage, good against the run, good rushing the passer. I just think all around the guy is a stud. And if I were an offensive coordinator, the first thing I would tell my quarterback is, where's 32? Find him, then do everything else. And I, I just think he's that good. And 
I just haven't seen him be getting the same praise that some of the other top defensive players are getting. And I think that he really deserves to be in that in that conversation of, you know, one of the top guys. Yeah, and I think the reason why he's starting to get recognition now is that the Cardinals are actually contending, you know. Like, a big thing is, like, every team has that one great player on defense, you know, that's just very underrated. But if they're on a bad team, they're not going to get much of a spotlight. Like, look at Jamal Adams. Uh, He might be that one exception because he played for the Jets. But, like, when he came over to Seattle and he was playing healthy in the beginning of the year, everybody was like, okay, he's the best safety in the league because he was playing on a really good team. Now you look at Buda Baker playing at a, a like a high level right now and the Cardinals are contending, he's getting more of a media attention. Like that's just one thing I've I've always hated about the media kind of thing is that they control like what players are talked about and there's a lot of good players on different teams that just don't get recognition just because they, their team's crap. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, I think you're right. Jamal Adams is an exception because he was playing on a New York team and a good player on a New York football team will get credit if they're good. And I just another player that 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 argument reminded me of is Kenny Galladay. I think that if Kenny mm-hmm. Galladay was playing in New York, he would be looked at as an Odell Beckham-esque player. Not that maybe, you know, in the league and around maybe the fantasy community, he, he you know, people say that Kenny Galladay, very good receiver, top 10 dynasty receiver. But... I think that if he was in a larger market contending team, he's the exact sort of player that would get a lot more recognition. But I want to move on from that. I just wanted to kind of say that Buda Baker's a stud, and if you're watching a Cardinals game and watching their defense, just watch 32. The guy Mm -hmm. is just so fun to watch, tremendously talented football player, and and he's a smart football player on top of that. But we're going to go into trades here. Trade talk. Trade talk. Trade deadline coming up in the NFL a couple of weeks. Um, or is it sooner than that? Um, when is Dude, it? I think I, I don't want to be wrong. I think it's Tuesday. Is it okay. Tuesday? Okay, yeah. Wow. Season is creeping up. Um, yeah, we're already halfway done. We're yeah, almost we're about to be halfway done. Um, and we're, we're going to do a quick little segment. I'm going to ask Steed, would you trade or keep this player? And if you're going to trade him, I guess maybe try to give me something along the lines of what you would get back, I guess. Or is it even worth it to trade him? Um, basically, that's that's the whole little spiel here. And then I, I'll give my little take after. Um, we got a lot of Falcons on this list, Steed. So this is going to be interesting. As the, the yeah. diehard Falcons fan you are, let's see uh, where your allegiance lies for some of these guys. Um, we're going to start off with a Falcon. Matt Ryan. Matt yeah. Ice. No, easy no. Yeah, <laughs> easy I, I no, agree. dude. You know. it, I like I I've seen the reports, just like people saying, like, well, what if they just trade Matt Ryan? Listen, Matt Ryan ain't the problem. If you listen to Mike up last week with Todd Gurley, he literally told Todd Gurley, "Don't go in the end zone. Just do not score." And what does Todd Gurley do? Uses that UGA education and scores. And that you know <laughs> that's just gonna happen. You know, it's just. It's that type of season, but I'm not trading away, Matt. I I think like not. I mean, his level of play is still very excellent. Like he, if he went on a contending team, like he can, like let's just say, if he went to a Bears, their offense goes extremely higher. But I I think it's like a value respect. Like Arthur Blake is not going to trade away Matt. That's his guy, you know. Like 
he's the most winningest quarterback and like he's the best quarterback in franchise history and then like that Mike Mike Vick will even tell you that so it, it's a level of respect and there's no way Blank would do that now uh, once they find new GM and it's a new regiment like new regime then maybe but like as this season goes no Matt Ryan will play all 16 games barring an injury knock on wood yeah my whole argument is that um if you're an NFL team, your goal is to win games. You get rid of Matt Ryan. You're not putting yourself in a position to win more football games and lose them, especially as a Falcons team that unless you're in a position to get Trevor Lawrence or maybe one of these other guys like Justin Fields or whoever in the draft is a sick prospect, you can take him. But even then, I would want them to play behind Matt Ryan for a season. I think that at the end of the day, if, if you're a coach and you're a GM and you want to win football games, Getting rid of Matt Ryan is a bad decision. Let's go into another Falcon here, Julio Jones. No. Yeah, I think it's an easy no for me as well. Dude, I've I seen those trade rumors too, and they just made me laugh. And people will ask me, be like, oh, you think you're going to trade Julio? You need to trade Julio. You can get so many picks. It's not about that, man. It's not all about picks, okay? You know, Julio, in my eyes, is going to go down as the best receiver ever. He's one of the longest. Ooh, alongside alongside oh, Megatron, have you ever heard of a man named Jerry Rice? Yeah, I mean he played, dude. He did play in the two. In oh, don't give me that! Don't <laughs> give me that. Okay, I'm stretching. Okay, top five receiver of all time. All right, we can but agree on that. That we was the little agree. fan coming out of me. But <laughs> I'm talking about like just prototype receiver built. Julio is what you want, and like alongside Megatron, those two were like the. Like, if I had to build a receiver from scratch, those two are who I'm building. And, you know, Julio's always been that guy. Like, he got paid. He did his little holdout. But he didn't say much, man. Julio's team first. He's always been team first. And just the same thing with Matt Ryan. Arthur Blaine, he means to the franchise. Julio's came out and said, like, I know what I mean to this team. I'm not getting traded. It's not going to happen. Teams can teams can dream about getting them a Julio, but they ain't getting a Julio. He's sticking with the one and six Falcons. <laughs> I just don't really see the point in trading Julio. Like, even if you were able to get a first round pick, which I, I don't know if a team would give up a first round pick for him because not necessarily he's, that he's not talented. It's just to to trade for Julio. Generally speak, it's going to have to be a contending team. And it's going to probably have to be a contending team that has a rookie quarterback because Julio d- does have a decent cap hit. So how many of those teams are there out there? And how many of those teams are saying, oh, we need Julio Jones over trading for maybe defense or something? So even regardless of the compensation, I think you're right. Trading Julio is a bad decision. Julio is just so talented. He's such a good locker room player. Julio, like you said, is not the problem. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, not the problem. Uh, let's go into another receiver. Julian Edelman. Are you trading him if you're the Patriots? Mm. I mean, it's weird thinking that the Patriots are sellers, right? Yeah, right. I, I mean, I'm asking about Edelman. Like, I, would, I think I'd be giving up on the season a little bit right now. I, it's just weird. Is because, like, the receivers are ass- and that it seems like Cam, like, has some kind of trustworthy with Edelman. It that's, uh, I would have to like ship him out there and see what. I just don't think I get a lot back for Edelman. 
Yeah, not, I think the most you would get is probably a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, it's like a that, bit of a stretch. That, that's what I'm thinking. And, like, I mean, Belichick can turn that sixth or seventh round pick into a Pro Bowl. I mean, we've seen it. It's just, dude, I, you know what? It, it just depends if the Patriots want to be sellers. Me, personally, if I had to, yeah, I'm just going to trade them. I think, I think the Patriots are – Done, knock on wood. I just think they are. Is too many people opted out of COVID, too many key pieces. Brady's gone, Cam's falling off. And I'm just gonna I, I think I'd ship Elderman. All right, I've got a couple things to say on this, real quick. One, I don't think I would sell Edelman. I'm if I'm Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I'm not giving up on the season. There's an extra wild card spot. Yeah, we've had a few rough weeks, but we can easily turn this thing around. Two, I don't think there's enough of a market for Julian Edelman to warrant selling him. Unless I'm getting, like, a a fourth-round pick, probably, or I think a fifth-round pick might do it, but regardless, if I'm a team that's buying a receiver, I'm not giving up a fifth-round pick for Edelman. I don't even think I'd give up a sixth for Edelman. I don't really want him. So, regardless, I think that Edelman, if I'm Bill Belichick, I want him on my team. If I'm going to turn this thing around, he's one of the team leaders. I need him to step up and, and, and to help turn this thing around. That's Let's go on to point. another receiver real quick. A.J. Green. This is, I think this is a really interesting one. What do you think? Oh, dude, the Bengals, the Bengals. Um, you see, he's got that, what, he's franchise tag, right? He's got that one-year deal. Yeah, he's, he's on a one-year deal. Mm. Okay. Uh, Thing is, we like I, I. What do you get for AJ Green? Like maybe a third like, or a fourth? I yeah, want. third, fourth round. It, which a is third me- round pick makes sense because, or a fourth round pick makes sense because that's probably what you're going to get for a comp pick from regardless. Yeah. Because I, I think AJ Green at the end of the day, when you, if you look at free agent receivers, I think that he'll be a top five free agent receiver in the market this off season. Um, I'm not sure necessarily he commands a huge deal, which will affect the comp pick. But I think, rough estimate, I'd expect a fifth-round pick for him. In in terms of, now, the, the comp pick system is a really complicated algorithm, and no one's really been able to master it. But I think that there will be enough of a market for him, because I just think that he's too talented for every team in the NFL to pass up on especially if you're a contending team, I think that you'll see a, an A.J. Green that really wants to play compared to you know the A.J. Green that people have been crapping on for loafing around a little bit. Yeah, definitely identity chase. So I, I, would, I would trade him. To answer your question, a fifth, like, what would, you, would you trade him for a fifth? If I was the Bengals, probably, yeah, I would. I, I, I would too. It's just, like, to the point where, like, you know, new coach, second year – yeah, Joe Burrow seems like he's going to be the guy. It's time to get your team and symbol. AJ Green, I'm not going to say he's damaged good. So, like you say, he could play for a contending team. Still good receiver, talented. Like it, injuries have halted his career to what it really could have been. But yeah, I, I think I just ship him out. I mean, they got they got good enough receivers as it is. Boyd Higgins and all of them. I, I just kind of like take my chances, draft someone in the draft maybe, and then get something bad for A.J. Green. Like, you're doing him a favor too. A.J. Green cannot like it in Cincinnati right now. You know, it's not 
Like if he's loafing around, if you send him to a team like Green Bay that needs receiver help, I think he finds that little like extra, like what he's got left in the gas tank yep. with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I like that you brought up that point for AJ Green's side would help him out too, because I honestly do think that this could be one of those deals where it's a win for both teams. That AJ Green just needs a fresh start, uh, you know, a new organization, new faces. And um, I also think that the Bengals should give some of these other receivers, guys like Michael Thomas or, or Mike Thomas, you know, not, not Slant Boy, the other one, or, um, <laughs> or even Auden Tate. I think that they should give one of those guys some targets and some reps because I think that they've honestly played that way. I think they deserve those reps. Um, you're, you're right in that Boyd and T. Higgins have been showing up. They've been consistent. And um, I, I just think it's time. You know, you want to – you have a new coach, new organization. I think it's time to give up on the A.J. Green. I, I do think he's still a talented player, and if, if I'm Bengals management, it's tough to give up on him. But at the end of the day, like, are you going to sign him to an extension? Like, wh- wh- what's the point of keeping him around? I don't think you're doing anyone, whether it's your team or his career, any favors. I think it's time for them to move on. Yeah. Golden Tate. What do you think? I feel, I feel like Golden Tate's always on the trade block, man. Yeah, every- uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? You got to keep the trend going. Yeah, trade Golden Tate. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I'm keeping Golden Tate. Uh, when I look at this New York Giants football team, not only is he a receiver that stepped up against the Eagles and has been stepping up a little bit these past couple weeks, um, this is a New York Giants football team that has an issue with their playmakers, especially playmakers staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is a team, you know, you're Joe Judge, you're a new coach, you're trying to be competitive in these football games. I don't know why you're trading away such a dire position to need. I can agree on the fact that the Golden Tate move for him was a bit of a head scratcher to begin with. But now that you're, you're already in the hole, I don't know why you would want to dig the hole any deeper. We all know the Giants are going to be looking for a playmaker in the offseason, but I do not think that they should trade him, especially, you know, when you're not really going to get much of a market for him. I don't, I don't like that move. And also, like, I mean, the Giants are still contending for the NFC. <laughs> like, it's funny to say they're like, what, one and five, one and six. So like, I mean, they're contending. They're only like one and a half games back. So, Crazy. all right, um, let's go on to another Falcon here, Tack McKinley. Yeah, I'm trading. You're trading Tack. Wow, I'm surprised because you, you've been one of the people that's actually I'm been too, on the I'm, side. I'm, I'm a huge Tack supporter, but I'm looking at this from the organizational standpoint. I do. I don't think Tack likes Atlanta. I'll be truly honest with you. I like. I've seen him fight with fans and stuff, and like it's ruthless. And I'm just like, dude. Like, I think Tack could be a. Okay, Tat McKinley has always gotten a bad rap for his sack numbers, but he is consistent in quarterback pressures when he plays, when he's healthy. And that's the problem with him is that he just never has had that full season like he did in rookie year, but he's coming off the bench. And it, like when he's in there, he's a presence. He gets at the quarterback. You see the Falcons tonight, and this is going to air tomorrow. So last night. Tat McKinley's not playing strictly. They say it's groin issue, but they're shipping him around. He played last week. They're gonna. They're. They want to target track tag. They want to get rid of him because I think for the Falcons, you know, is starting to like click to him. Like there's going to be like a little bit 
of a rebuild process going on. And Tag, Tag's not going to stick around there. He didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So clearly you don't have any faith in him. Like, really. So it's going to be a contract year for him anyways. You're not going to resign him. And, I, you know, I it, there's a lot of teams with a that – teams have had DNs, D linemen go out this year – ACLs and injuries like that. So I feel like the trade is like it's very thin. The trade block is very thin at DN. And to get Tack McKinley, who always compared to more of like a Brandon Graham kind of pass rusher, something like kind of like that kind of guy. If you're able to get him, uh, maybe like a team. I mean, Seattle just traded for Dunlap. I I agree with you though. You're right. Like yeah. the, the market for DNs is is thin, and at the end of the day, there's there's a classic golden rule in football. At least when you, when you're trading for players, you really can never have enough D backs, and you really can never have enough pass rushers. No, you so can't. If if you have a talented pass rusher on the block, attack McKinley first round pick, like you said, not the sack numbers, but he gets good quarterback pressures. If you if you're into like you know the PFF and data analytics stuff, they say he, he's pressuring the quarterback all the time. Um, there's definitely a market there for him. Um, and I think you're right. Like if you're, if you can get a good enough pick, you know, third round, fourth round pick, I, I think you're right. You may have to trade him. Maybe you can get like a fourth and a fifth for him. I think the other question that the, that the, uh, Falcons are considering is what kind of market is there going to be in free agency? Once again, regarding the comp pick, because if a team goes out and pays them a big contract, you can get that late third. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'd be shopping him around. But at the same time, that, that's mainly just because of the, the whole contract issue that's going to be coming up. Yeah, and it's just... If it, in a perfect world, I'd want to keep hold of him because I do still think that he's a raw player. I do still think he has potential. And, and once again, in a perfect world, I would want to keep him around on the roster. But I don't, like you said, I don't think you're really going to be able to, and I don't think you want to pay him. So yeah, they're not going to pay him. Yeah, that's the sole reason why you kind of, if you're the Falcons, you're kind of forced to shop him around a little bit. Um, let's move on to Stephon Gilmore. If you're the Pats, um, would you trade Stephon Gilmore? And let's assume for this one that you're going to be getting a, some pretty good compensation. Yeah, yeah well, you, uh, pretty much best corner in the league. You're going to be getting some damn good At shit minimum, back. Oh, yeah, minimum. Ah, oh, dude. Probably then a again, late first like, because you want to trade him to a, t- a contender. So you might be getting, like, a late first and, like, you know, maybe, like, a third in a different year or something, something along the lines of that. Yeah, it's just that, you know, like, that's one of the scenarios where, like, you're kind of giving up on the season because, like, I feel like Gilmore is their best player on the team, hands down. Um, you know, I'm going to say I'm not going to trade Gilmore. Because I'm just going to look at this, how Belichick's probably looking at it. He still thinks, like like you said, it's still wide open. You get the extra wild card playoff. You need Gilmore there. You had a couple bad weeks. Okay, it happens to teams. You can easily bounce back. You got a veteran quarterback. Things should equal out here. I, I just don't – you just paid Gilmore, right? They just paid Gilmore, too. Like, if they bumped up his salary, I'm pretty sure. Um. I know he signed a five-year deal. Was that when? No, he's a free agent in 2022. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So, yes, he is still on the books. 
And to be completely honest, I mean, 2021, his cap hit is 17 mil. Right now it's 25 mil, but 17 mil for what arguably the top shutdown corner is a deal. That is a deal and a half. That's a good deal. Um, The whole aside from here, the Gilmore contract is sick for the Patriots. I mean, his cap hit right now is 25 mil, but regardless, like, that is by far his biggest cap hit. Like, I commend that organization for how they've, like, structured this contract. This is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably shop his name out there to see what I can get back. But at the end of the day, I'm probably going to hold on to him. So you're holding? Um, I'm holding, too. Um, and going back to the contract situation, you're going to have to eat $28 million dead cap this year. And then, you know, there's like seven point six next year. I just think he's better on your roster. Um, keep him, hold on to him, you know, next year, if shit's hitting the fan and he's still good, you can, you can chop him. I do think though that, you know, if I were the Patriots, maybe I'd chop him around a little bit just to see what the price is because Belichick is, because you're, you know, Belichick has been someone that likes to sell high on players. You know, he's the kind of guy that he give him any roster of players and he'll find a way to be competitive. So if he's able to command, a, a nice price for Gilmore. I wouldn't be shocked if they trade him. And I think that's just a smart thing to do. If a team is willing to pay a whole lot of draft capital to get a shutdown corner for a playoff run, go ahead and, and trade him. But I would want to command a clear overpay if I'm getting rid of Stefan Gilmore, not necessarily on the likes of like a Jamal Adams, but you know, I'd want some, some good draft capital in return, something to make it worth it for losing one of the best man coverage corners. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Sam, let's go on. This is a really crazy one. Sammy D. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Um, so that means like, they, yeah, this the is on the assumption take. you get the number one pick, right? Yeah, you get the, but like the thing is, does Trevor Lawrence <laughs> go back to Clemson? Cause he doesn't want to the Jets. I mean, dude, he hasn't committed yet saying he's going in or out of the draft. So like, I thought you're taking a risk there. Oh no, that was for playing in the college. I think if I were Trevor Lawrence, I would come out of college. But if I really don't want to play for the Jets, I'd just pull an Eli Manning and say, I am not playing for the Jets. Like, I think he has enough power to do that. Oh, yeah, easily. Like, he has but, uh, enough leverage. Trade Sam Darnold. Um, the other question, too, and this is kind of a side question, do you just trade the number one pick? Because it's almost like you can trade Jets. Sam Darnold or you can trade the number one pick. How, like, how many you – you might be able to get, like, three first-round picks for this number one pick for Trevor. Like, you might be able to get more than three first-round picks. I mean, that's a good spin zone. You could trade and get, like, three first-round picks for Lawrence and then just draft Justin Fields and then get, like, a crew behind him, you know? I mean, like, to be – like, you hold that number one pick, you're the Jets. Like, this is why probably why they're not firing Adam Gase. They at least have someone that can tank all the losses while they're tanking. Like, True. Listen, Adam Gase, you're just going to – your job is to get shat on. Like – just go out there and lose games. We're going to get the number one pick. And well, then we have all the leverage here. If, if there's a coach that coach of the year for getting shit on, it's definitely number one Uno. It's going to be Adam Gay. So at least he won something. <laughs> uh, but bringing it back to original, do I trade Darnold? <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, I can't. Uh, remember when Darnold was drafted, everybody was saying, this is the guy, man. This is this is the best talent in the draft, blah, 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 this. I still think he has unbelievable talent, just stuck on a terrible team. And now we're talking about him in a trade deadline for the Owens – what are they? Owens 6 Jets? Owens oh, 7 exactly. Jets? Uh you know what? Screw it. Yeah, dude. I've embraced the suck. Embrace the tank. I'm trading them. I'm calling up the Bears right now. What do you I got? Don't know. See, if I'm the Jets, I am not trading Darnold for the simple fact that if Trevor Lawrence comes out and says, I am not playing for the Jets, yeah, that's I at least have a quarterback. I'm not forced to trade the pick and then stuck without a quarterback. Yeah, I think that that point. would be a terrible scenario. But, like, uh, like even if you don't trade Sam Darnold, your chances of getting that number one pick anyways is very high. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> honestly believe that that's the reason that Adam Gase has not been fired, is that they just want a coach that everyone knows is a dead man walking just to embrace more losses so that when you bring someone new in, they're not getting started on a bad foot. They're not getting started on – oh, well, we kind of don't want to win, like, three games and have the Giants get the number one pick or, you know, the Jaguars. Like, Adam Gates, just keep losing and keep getting crapped on so that when we eventually fire you, we have someone that's going into a, a good scenario, not we just lost Trevor Lawrence and you just still lost a bunch of games. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So I think we're – so were you a yes or a no on that? On the I'm changing it now. Yeah, you, you could lose. You could be number one pick with Sam Darnold. It doesn't matter. All right. Um, Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, Alshon's a good one. I, I If you can even get up. anything for him. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, Alshon's been kind of washed goods ever since the Super Bowl, it seems like. But, uh, you know, he's been banged up. I, I'd definitely trade Alshon, though. I'd Would see... you trade him for a bag of Lay's potato chips? If I was the Packers, yeah. Just give me something. And you know? like, I know they're not really – they have Devontae and they have the Lizard. So you and, would just uh, trade Alshon for, like, basically nothing? Like, just get off the roster? I, I think I'd have to, dude. Like, he's just not being productive. Like, I mean, obviously I'm trying to – like, what do you get for Alshon? Like a, a seventh? seventh? Just straight up a seventh? Yeah, just something. That's why just I brought, like – would you just, just on trade the field. him to get him off the roster instead of cutting him? I I'd definitely try to trade him just to get off the roster instead of cutting him. At least try to get something in return. Yeah, just get anything you possibly can get your but hands. I, also, like you know, you have to think like the the team you're trading to him has to be different, um, desperate for receivers and and like I keep on reverting back to the Packers just because like you know like that's the team that. I see as a contender and kind of like short in that receiver room that, you know, does Alshon go out there and he's going to receive a thousand yards? No, but like, can he ca- still catch a few balls? Yeah, he probably can. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I would definitely try to trade Alshon. I just don't think you're going to get anything back for him. Okay. Um, last one here. Ryan Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Another pass rusher. Yeah, I, I would try to trade him. I mean, uh, if I'm the football team, like, I, I I know you just had a huge victory against the Cowboys. You just blew them out. And, like, you're still in the thick of things. But, like, 
if I'm Ron Rivera and all them, like this isn't truly my team. You're kind of still stacked at pass rushers where like you can afford to lose Kerrigan, I think. Like just shop around contender, maybe get like a like a what, a fifth round pick, fourth or fifth, something like that. I don't even think you can get that much. Um he's he's gonna be a free agent after this season. Um he's thirty two years old. Like you're really Damn, scraping you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Now, at the same time, I do think that Ryan Kerrigan is someone that can still play and still play at a pretty high level. Um, so you, yeah, you're like, right. They might be able to snag like a, a sixth round pick for him. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm the Skins or the football team, excuse me, um, I don't know. I think I'm just keeping him around. I, I think unless I can get a, a better than what I predict the market to be, which is basically a sixth or seventh round pick. If I can get a fifth round pick, yeah, he's gone, but I don't think anyone's really going to be giving that up for him. Um, so yeah, I just keep him around the roster. And honestly, like people forget the, the football team's got an outside shot at this thing. They do. I think that at the end of the day, their defense is a legit defense. They just need to kind of get healthy and, and play a little more consistent, but They've got an outside shot at this thing, and I, if I'm Riverboat Ron, I'm not giving up on this on the season. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, the price has to be right. It's just uh, I keep on thinking, like, you know, the football team's like two and five, like just give up on the season. Then I, like, remember that whole division sucks. <laughs> and then it's just like, damn, anybody can win that any given day, I guess. Maybe not the Cowboys now. I mean, also you got to remember, like their offense, they've they've had to go through a quarterback change. You know, they their running backs. It's just like I don't even know what's going on there. Antonio Gibson one week is looking good, and the next week he's just average. And the receiving core has been banged up, and it's been a lot of rotations there. Um, offensive line isn't the best. Like, let, let's not act like the Redskins haven't been handled a relatively difficult early part of the season, which was honestly expected. We knew that this football team, the football team coming in, wasn't necessarily a talented organization and a talented team, but I still think they've got a shot. And if if I'm a player on, on the football team, I don't want to give up on the season. Like, we're, you're 2-5. and five. You can easily turn things around. We've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. So if, I, if I'm the football team, I'm not trading him. I, I'm still trying, going full throttle at this thing. Let's let's turn this thing around a little bit. Let's just keep fighting. Keep fighting these divisional games. You know, you lost a couple close games. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Let's keep this. Let's keep these wheels turning. I like that. I mean, like, that's the thing about the NOC is if you win the divisional games, you're in the playoffs. Yeah, so. you're in the playoffs. We We could see a team win that division with seven wins. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're like kind of just like if you're in that division, do you even care about the outer division games? You're just like, screw it. We know like <laughs> we all suck and we're just going to focus on the division games. It's a game plan four weeks ahead. No, uh, you definitely care, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eventually one of these. Every game matters. Every game is so division. close. All right. That's enough trade talk. Enough trade talk. Let's move on to a new segment. We're going to be talking about the state of the NFC West. Steve, you want to kick it off from here? Yeah, I'll take this one. You know, the NFC West, we predicted coming this year. I mean, besides, like, the AFC North, 
I, this is the most competitive division in, in football. We said that coming in. We took the over in every single team and wins just because, you know, like every team has just the ability, just such a, like a different way how they went. Like the Seahawks defense is not so great, but they have Russell Wilson that can carry him. Kyler Murray, the same with Buda Baker. The Rams defense is playing extraordinary, but like also I kind of feel like the Rams are like little Something's a little off on offense, you know. They played some of these NFC East teams. They beat up on them, but so has the whole league. And the, I think the Niners are getting their identity back. So, if we want to talk, if I want to pick a favorite to win this division, you know, this is tough because I'm like I'm, I'm not picking the Cardinals or Rams. I, even though I love the Cardinals and I do believe they're a playoff team, I still think they're just like. Down the stretch, like I just don't see how they take away the division. It's between the Seahawks and the Niners for me, and that's a big game coming up this Sunday to decide its fate. But I'm going to go Seahawks just mainly because of Russell Wilson, and uh, they traded for Dunlap. Maybe he can fill in a hole they desperately need in the D line and just need completely on their defense. But I mean, th- I feel like this is going to be a division that goes down the stretch solely. Um, you saw it last season with the 49ers Seahawks. I, it's just going to be more interesting. I don't know if I see a team really falling off. Kind of like the NFC East, we talked about how like the winner of that division is going to is whoever wins the most division games. I see that the same in the NFC West, but just a different story just because every team is good and not a bag of shit like the NFC East. So – I'm going to say Seahawks, but I would not be surprised by a big turnaround here by the 49ers. I think the 49ers are getting healthy at the right time. They've looked differently these last two games. Um, We're getting into that game later, but I like the Niners to win against the Seahawks, and I still think the Niners can win this division. And if there's one team I have to pick to drop off, it would be the Rams, just because – I. I don't think they can figure it out on offense right now. Oh yeah. So yeah, this this division is really really interesting because you're right. The 49ers they started off slow, but Jimmy G now that his ankle is healthy and I think he's gotten a lot of his confidence back. Um, the 49ers are starting to get on a roll, even though they're still really banged up on both sides of the ball again. Um, you know, the Seahawks, they have, obviously, the Seahawks are going to be a playoff team. I think everyone can agree on that. Russell Wilson is so good. Um, they're definitely the favorite to win the division, but it's not a lock. That defense, you're right, the trade for Dunlap is big because pass rush has just been a huge issue for the Seahawks for multiple years. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how much of a difference that makes. But I, I still am really interested in this Cardinals team because we still – Two, seven games into the season have not seen the peak Cardinals play. They've still That's had true. a lot of mistakes. They beat the Seahawks on prime time. And Down 10 and a half. Not play very well. Like, yeah, they played well, but and their defense especially, they gave up 37 points, but they made some crucial plays when push came to shove. And Kyler Murray has been turning the ball over more this season than we really expected. Kenyon Drake has really not been able to get the same mojo going that he had last season. But this car- this is a Cardinals team that has the biggest point differential so far in this division this season. A lot of that is probably due to that big Cowboys win. 
But once again, that's yeah. another game where they still, yes, it was a big win against a bad Cowboys team, but it's not like they were playing perfectly and firing at all cylinders all through the game. It's still a confidence booster for a young team like that. When you walk in and beat a team that bad, you know, you can kind of carry that. And you saw in the second half comeback when they played the Seahawks, which was a great game. And one thing about the Seahawks, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I know they're 5-1, and one, and I picked them to win this division. But why does every game they play, it doesn't matter who they play, they have it has to be a close game at the end. It either ends with a Russell Wilson game winning drive, or they win by six or something like that, and win by three. It, it, it does, it, it's weird. I mean, the Cowboys were uh, well, Frank. They had Dak, so I give them a little credit for that. But like, I it was still close. It was still close. And then you see the Seahawks. I mean, the, the only team the Seahawks have really blown out this this year is Week One against the Falcons and. And I don't know, like it's just like one of those one of those teams that just every game is a grinder. And why is it? You know, uh, there's three reasons. One, the NFL is really close in competition. Two, the Seahawks coming into this season, you can argue position for position had the worst roster in this division. I think now you can argue it's maybe the Rams or the Niners, but. That's a, a large part due to injuries from the Niners and a lack of depth from the Rams. And see, it's just good coaching and good quarterback play from the Seahawks. When they have a game in their grasp, they're going to win it at the end. I mean, it was a shock to me and I think a lot of other people that they didn't pull that game out against the Cardinals in overtime. Oh, yeah. That Russell Wilson turned the ball over. That's a classic game where the Seahawks just go down the field and win it at the end. Um, yeah, I, that shocked me too. But I, I the just want to say, I think that this Cardinals team is the X factor of this division still. Um, and I think that if, if this Cardinals team is able to get and start playing at a level that they're capable of and a similar level, you know, just everyone playing well, everyone confident, everyone making plays, you know, not as many mistakes and you start, they start getting into a groove like the 49ers did last year, this is a really scary football team because even though Kyler Murray hasn't had a game necessarily, maybe other than, than week one against the Niners, which even then I would argue it's not like he played tremendously well, this kid is just so talented, he just creates plays. So if you're able to get a, a Cardinals offense where they're starting to run the ball with, with more success, you have Kyler Murray passing the ball with more success, on top of the plays that he already creates himself, this is a really scary football team. Like, really scary. And I think could easily be the most talented in the division. Yeah, I mean, they had the pieces. Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, like, I, I'm not sure if you heard, like, but I feel like Kyler always gets compared to, like, Russell Wilson. You know, small guys with big arms okay. that are mobile can r run around make plays. Yep. You know? So... Do you like that comparison? And or and also, if Russell Wilson, when he got drafted, what was it, fifth round, fourth round? He, uh, he was drafted. He was, yeah, it was like it was third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. He I think he might have been pick. third. Okay, but like, if Russell Wilson doesn't have the success, is Kyler Murray drafted number one? 
Um, well, that's an interesting question. I think that um, Russell Wilson was just a stepping stone towards quarterbacks like Kyler Murray being able to get drafted number one. Um, I think the other part of it is quarterbacks from air raid offenses in general more so than smaller quarterbacks having success. I think they both played a very big part in the fact that, you know, smaller quarterbacks with big arms that just not that prototypical I'm six foot six with a giant rocket arm being able to be successful. And on top of that, you've just seen the NFL change to more mobile quarterbacks having success. But I think if we're really going to pin it on someone, I think that Steve Young had a really big impact on, mm-hmm. on you know, more mobile quarterbacks, smaller quarterbacks. I think that he was really the first one that opened up eyes that, okay, not only is this a viable strategy, this is a viable long-term strategy. This isn't just a, oh, you know, we have a mobile quarterback. It, it can happen for one season. That sentiment's been around for a while, but I think he was the first example of, okay, we can have a team that has multiple good seasons on the back of play like this. And then, you know, other guys like Mike and the list goes on and on and on. And then leading up to guys like Russell Wilson, I think have just paved the way for, for, for quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. And I think the other thing is, is that coaches are starting to realize that you don't have to have the most complicated super offense imaginable. It's just about how can I create good matchups? And part of that nowadays is having a quarterback that can run. It just mm-hmm. creates another matchup that the defense has to be aware of. So I, I think that you have to also give some credit to the coaches for, for you know, realizing that having someone that can run and having a situation where I have a linebacker matched one-on-one against my quarterback is a huge advantage for me. And then when I have it so that the quarterback can throw and run outside of the pocket and inside of the pocket and all that jazz, it just creates this really big mess that defensive coordinators have to figure out. And the more that you can add on to that equation, the better your odds are as an offense for putting up points and winning football games. Yeah, totally agree. Good point. Speaking of old things... I am super, super excited for this game this week. Steelers-Ravens, is the rivalry back? Is the rivalry back, back what it was, you know, when I was growing up, just, I, I forget the stat exactly, but it was like almost every one of the games was decided by three points, which is just absurd. There was, oh man, it's just my favorite football games, those classic steelers Raven games. I want to ask you, is the rivalry back, yes or no? Oh, it's definitely back, dude. You get two teams competing at the way they are. Uh, Ravens came in the season. A lot of people were saying they could be a 16-0 team. I, I didn't see it. But, you know, their Super Bowl, like, they they see the Super Bowl in their, in the, in their vision. They got Super Bowl on the mind. And, you know, Steelers come in. That dark horse this year, Big Ben's back. They get the quarterback back alongside their defense, and now they're 6-0. and 
So I would definitely say the robbery is back. This is a high state game. I hate how it's a one o'clock game. I want to see this. I want to see this on Sunday night. I want to get a little Al Michaels. I want to Chris Collinsworth kind of say, "You see, Big Ben went down here, but he's the type of guy that he's just struggles." <laughs> I want to hear that. I know they play on Thanksgiving night, but like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth won't call that game. Be Mike Tirico and someone else. That's enough about the Sunday night crew. But yeah, I think it's definitely bad. I expect some bad blood this game, dude. There's a lot of a lot of trash talk. You know, I, I expect this game to be close. We'll get into our picks a little later. But, I, dude, I can't wait for this game. Definitely, like, everybody's anticipating this game. All right, I guess we can kind of morph this little segment with the picks because I, I did not pick this game on my card this Good. week. I was thinking about it, and the one problem I have with this game, which – for the record, every time I've been skeptical about these Steelers spreads they have covered so far. Um, Ak, wait, did they did they cover that Eagles spread earlier in the yeah, season? They did. They did? Okay. okay, so yeah, if they covered that one, then yeah, every time I've been skeptical, they've Dude, covered. So keep they that cover, mind. I'm well. pretty sure they're six and zero against the spread this year. Um, which I've been skeptical. I was skeptical for that Eagles game. I was skeptical for the Giants game. I think those are the two off of the top of my head that I didn't pick them. I think every other week I have, not necessarily on the podcast for my picks, but on my pick them on, uh, what is this website? NFL Pick Watch. I picked oh, them. okay. Shout um, out. Yeah, if there's a way to follow me, you can follow me. Um, you can check all my picks for every game, not necessarily the ones that are on the podcast. But regardless... I'm scared. I'm scared this week because I do think that the Ravens have a good matchup against us, mainly because we're a team that we like to suffocate the pocket. We have a really good interior rush, and I think the Ravens are a team that because Lamar is able to get the edge on a lot of guys and because Devin Bush is out, we don't really have an answer for him once he starts moving the ball. Unless we're able to just win our matchups up front, which we have been able to do, this is going to be an interesting football game. And I think the only way we really win it is if we're able to stop the Ravens' offense, which is a tough ask. I understand the Ravens are 32nd in passing right now and number one in rushing. So from a stats standpoint, I can understand why people really like this matchup for the Steelers because we're a team that... We shut down other teams' run games and have forced teams to pass the ball against us. It's just this week the Ravens run the ball differently from other teams. They're they're not that standard, okay, we're just going to line up hat on a hat and beat you with smash-mouth football, kind of like the Titans were, and then beat you on some play action. The Ravens like to run a lot of that you know, RPO kind of offense, a lot of that we're going to zone read a guy, you know, force a mismatch, which I don't think the Steelers match up as well as people think they are. And I think the other one, now this is just kind of like tinfoil hat I'm putting on. Um, in previous years, it just seems like once people really get on the Steelers, they start to underperform. And once, you know, and, and when people are, are against the Steelers and saying, oh, this is a bad football team, then we overperform, and I just think that this is kind of one of those weeks where I see a whole lot of people on the Steelers' side when 
I don't know. We're on the road. I, I think that this is a Ravens kind of football game. All right, so I'm just going to give my pick. I'm taking Steelers plus four. And uh, listen, dude, you could say all that stuff like previous past when the Steelers are good, everybody's on us, and then that's when we start to lose. Dude, keyword, previous keywords, previous years. It's a new year. Every season's different. Yeah, like, you're don't give right. Me that. You're right. Uh, like, I wouldn't be nervous for this game. I would be hyped for this game. Yeah, but game. let me put it like this real quick. I think that a lot of... You know, a whole lot of people on the Steelers, especially the data analytics guys, because the data is going to point towards the steel. Oh, the Steelers! This should not be a four-point dog. This should be a a close game because the Ravens are getting an extra point. You know that home field advantage is usually three points, so the Ravens are getting an extra point. Yeah, which okay. I think a lot of people at face value and on on the data. Like, oh, well, the Steelers run defense. This is a team that's second against the run in the NFL. You know, you look at they, they've played so many good running backs. They held the leading rusher to like 60-something yards. The, the Ravens are a different football team than the teams that we've played up against. And this is a familiar matchup there, which in recent times, the Ravens have had the advantage. I mean, dude, here's a, here's a stat for you then. Um, every time I bet on the Steelers this year, I've won money. So... Me bet on – am I the Steelers' good luck charm? I might be. I don't know. I don't <laughs> like know. You better hammer them because I want to win this week. Like, well, I, I'm I shooting against the Steelers. I, I just – I don't think that the public should be as yeah. on them as they are. No, like, in all seriousness, like, every – like, if – do I don't know if the Steelers come out and win this game. I think they can cover the spread easily. That's why I'm taking them. But this is – this is the game, man. Like, this has been circled on the calendar, I think, for a while once the Steelers got out to a good start, being like, you know, like, this is the game. Like, last week, you know, you were up big against the Titans, had a good performance. Titans came back. That's what they do. Then good team's going to come back, make it a game. But, dude, I, like, I still wouldn't be nervous about this game. I'd be hyped about it. Like, when the Falcons and Saints were both good and we played against each other, I would get fucking hyped for it. Because I would be like, here we go. Divisional rival, your biggest rival. Everything matters right here on the line. Who's going to show up more? And I think y'all can because, like, still, like, you got to look at this. You're the underdog. Even though people are picking you, the mindset in the locker room, they, they don't care about what everyone else is who, – who everyone else is picking. Well, yeah, obviously. They're, they're looking still saying the Ravens are to win this division and you're the underdog. Tell me that the Steelers are not more hyped to win this game than the Ravens. I, I think both teams are coming are going to come in here ready to play. I don't think – the underdog little like, chip on the shoulder, dude, that's always more of a play to me. Well, I also think that you look at Ben Roethlisberger, I think that – Ben Roethlisberger, especially this year compared to previous years, not that he's necessarily like more motivated. I just think that this year he is more all in throughout the entire process, which leads up to this point than he has been in previous years. Because I think he first and foremost realized the talent that the Steelers team had. The fact that they went eight and eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph just having a terrible offense. Like I think that he's the first one that realized, okay, this team is really talented. They just need a quarterback that can that can just lead the team. They yeah. can just guide the talent 
to the win column. I mean, Big Ben was probably sitting on the sideline and hurt all last year and seeing go eight and eight and be like, well, if I was playing, we're 12 and four. Yeah. Like, it's just easy like that. All right. Enough about the rivalry, though. And what, real quick, just to say something. I'm excited for this football game. I'm not just, you know, over oh, I, I, I understand. I, I, and like, I mean, like, we don't lose. Like, I'm ready for this football game. It's just yeah. compared to last week, I was confident in that Titans game last week, especially Ryan Clark. Derrick Henry, fake tough. He ain't ready for the dogs. He wasn't ready for the dogs. He had one of his worst games. But, you know, this week I think it's it's a different matchup and a matchup that's nowhere near as favorable to us as the Titans matchup was last week. So that's where my skepticism comes in and, and that whole thing. But let's get into the picks this week. I'm going first because I'm cool. Um, I'm going with a teaser. All right? used to be. <laughs> all right buddy i'll see i see it <laughs> i'm going with my teasers hey, listen if you guys have been telling my teasers this year you're up a decent amount of cash because i'm like nine and three ten and three ten and somewhere around there um i i'd have to look back at the previous picks to get the exact record but i know we're positive by a fair amount of games um i do like the teaser a lot this week i'm going packers minus a half six-point teaser, and the 49ers plus nine and a half, or plus nine, excuse me. Um, I think that's a great value teaser, and I, I'm i putting a decent amount of units on that one. Okay. I mean, dude, your teasers have been nice. I, I probably will tell you. Uh, see, I already talked about my first pick with the Steelers. So, uh, let's see. My first pick, uh, dude, I'm going with us, our Raiders, dude. Plus two and a half and, uh, against the Browns. I think this is a winnable game. Now, the question is, are the Browns better with or without OBJ? That's been always – you saw, like, terrible for a fantasy team because OBJ was doing, you know, pretty good for us. And I hate to see a talented player like that get hurt. But you saw Baker start going off, so – We'll put a question there, but, you know, Raiders, bad week last week. I think they bounced back this week. I like them as an underdog in this game. I like them to win this game. Raiders to the Super Bowl. We need Hooters, baby. Yeah, I think I, I'm also telling you on the Raiders. Um, I think the one of the big problems for the Raiders last week was just like the whole practice scenario because their whole entire offensive line was like – Yeah, the, they just couldn't get – COVID thing. That really yeah. screws you, especially up against a quarterback like Tom Brady – um, you know, I, I do think that COVID definitely played a role in some of the Raiders struggles last week. And, um, you know, the Raiders, their defense just hasn't been there like, like we expected, you know, coming Maybe into the not. season. Yeah. We, we have the Raiders bet and we're rooting for this team, but we knew coming in that the Raiders defense needed to really step up if they wanted to be good. The offense has definitely stepped up and that's actually the reason why I'm taking them this week. You know, I saw what this Raiders team was able to do on the road against the Chiefs. I like the matchup against the the Browns even more on the road because I think the Raiders are a team, if their offensive line is available to play, which I'm just going to assume they are, um, I think that they're a team that can handle the, the Browns' pass rush, which has been winning them games so far this season. And I do think that Henry Ruggs and Aguilar are going to be a little bit of a problem over the top for the Browns secondary. So I do like the Raiders this week, and um, I'm also going to be tailing you on that one. 
All right, for my next pick, dude, get buckle in. I got the Jets plus nineteen and a half, and the only reason why is too many points. Yeah, <laughs> too many points. That's fair. And like you know, like if I see, I don't care how bad the team is; they're still professional athletes. If I see a team where like at nineteen and a half, I feel like I'm carry. I know they're playing the Chiefs, and like they're a great team. And they cover this many times and all that. Nineteen and a half points, a lot of points. I like easily the Chiefs could be up, you know, let off, let the foot off the gas pedal, and then the Jets backdoor cover. You know, a lot of too many scenarios could go on with the spread this big. So just give me Jets nineteen and a half. Yeah, I would tell you on the Jets. It's just I promised myself I would not pick the Jets again after picking them two times before this and and losing. Yes, shun me, make fun of me. I don't care. Yeah, but did you get them at 19 and a half? But I do have a couple things to say on this in favor of your pick. First off, the only team to ever cover a 20-plus point spread is the Steelers in 1976 against the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> what so, a team. Like, that's just – I'm pretty sure they went defeated. I can't imagine they won a game at that point. No shot. Um, do you think that Buccaneers team, like those guys in the locker room, like before the season, were like, guys, yeah, this is our year? They knew they No, they didn't. No, they like, they we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, guys. We got yeah, this. No shot. Like, they knew they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you're an expansion team. You know you're bad. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just think it, it's too many points. And the other thing to say is that let's not come out here and act like the, the Jets had a close game, a winnable football game against the Bills last week. That was a one-score football game. And this is a Bills team that also played well against the Chiefs. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that is going to come out here and be like, oh, well, the Jets played close against the Bills, who plays close against the yeah, Chiefs. No. That means that, you know, like- no Pythagorean theorem bullshit going on here. Um, this is a game where the Jets are probably going to get creamed. But Williams' defense is, is underrated still. Um, the way that, like I said last week um, on my player props article with my, with my Josh Allen under that did not hit, unfortunately. Went 4-2 and two in the player props, though, real quick, just a side note. But um, the Jets' defense did have a lot of success against the Bills, holding them to just tons of field goals. I think that there could be another scenario this week where the, the Jets are a team, they're willing to give up yards in the middle of the field and up and toward, towards the Renzo, but once that field condenses, they try and, you know, then, then they start playing a little bit closer because they Greg Williams, he loves to play that angel safety to try and take away plays over the top. So I, I think that it's not going to just be as well and dandy as people are expecting for the Chiefs offense, and this could be a trap game. So I, I like the 19-and-a-half. I'm just – I can't be the guy that picks the Jets again. I can't yeah, I show that. I show that. Um, I'm going to be taking the Falcons tonight. I know that the episode is going to be airing tomorrow, but I listen. We we me and Steed noticed this last year. Um, we went a little bit against it this season, but I think we're back on it. Yeah, Public definitely. consensus on Thursday night is terrible. It, it seems like every single Thursday night game, the dog is able to pull it out, and, and public consensus is wrong. Um, and by that theory, I'm going like you said on your article. I think the Falcons outright win this game. I think that they're going to become they're going to be coming ready to play. Um, 
and I'm not even sure that they should be a dog. I can uh, I can honestly argue that they should just be a pick'em. Yeah. I think that getting if you if you took the plus two and a half earlier in the week, that was a great pick. Now it's plus one and a half. I still think that I'll take plus any points in a, an extremely even football game. You still don't have Chris McCaffrey. And like you said in the previous matchup, while the Falcons lost against the Packers last time out, this is a Falcons team that notoriously plays well against the Panthers, especially on the road. You're going to have some wacky weather. So, you know, I just think that the Falcons are the pick here. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't hit, but that's just Thursday night for you. But the fact that I can get plus money on a Falcons team, I think is a great little money line bet, but I'm going to be taking the spread here. Yeah, uh, I will. I got Falcons at plus three, jumped on it early, and the lines moved dr- drastically. But I said in my article, check it on the website. I, I, take, I take Falcons plus anything. Yeah, plus yeah. anything. Plus anything. I, I truly just think I, I sprinkle money on the money line as well and the under. Like Those are not my official picks for the week. Those are just kind of my side bets. But I, I just think the Falcons win this game, and I know I've get, been caught in this conundrum every week saying, well, the Falcons are going to win this week. And, like, I get it. I get it. But I truly think they are. Like, it, it, you could say what you want to say about the defense, but under Raheem Morris, the defense does look better. And I know they gave up that 75-yard, 80-yard drive with a minute left to the Lions. But – should have, defense should have never been on the field. Defense has done a superb job, like, before that point and going into the Vikings game. I like the Falcons. They'll win this game. That's that's my lock. Oh, uh, let's see. My next pick, I got Titans minus five and a half. I solely just think, you know, like, the Bengals have been a good team to, like, against the spread. I think I said in an earlier podcast how they could be, like, kind of that Cardinals team a year ago where they just like they stay in contention of ball games just because of like their uh, rookie quarterback making enough plays. And I think you getting Titans minus five and a half here at a steal. I, if the Titans, if the Titans lose this game, they lose this game. Then that's a big upset. But if the Titans win this game, they definitely win it by a touchdown more. This is a Titans team that has their eyes on a Super Bowl. They're not going to, let a Bengals team just kind of come in and just, you know, like rock them around or anything. I kind of, I'm just going to lock Titans minus five and a half in there. Yeah. I'm also taking Titans minus a half, uh, minus five and a half, excuse me. Um, like, like you said, I just think this is a good matchup for the Titans. Um, they, they're coming off a law, a close loss against the Steelers. Um, I'm just not sure the Bengals can stop the Titans physicality up front. I think on both sides of the ball, the, the Titans are just up front a better football team. And especially with a young quarterback on the Bengals' side, I know Joe Burrow's been good. He's top five in passing right now as a rookie, which is really impressive. But on this is a Titans defense yards. that plays fast, plays physical, and I think it's just going to be too much for the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, my next pick, I got. Uh, I did this. Me and Frank were talking about this game yesterday. It's an interesting game. Lines moved a little bit, but I got the Dolphins at plus four. You know, this is a game where I'm just buying into Tua time. I'm going all in Tua. It, Tua's here. I think Tua's going to make enough plays. I think Tua's going to light it up this week against the Rams. 
Uh, I still think the Rams might be a little overrated. You know, this Dolphins team can compete, and we've seen it. This this team is playoff contender, and this is a huge game for them. Huge game for Tua. He's had two weeks prepare for this game, coming off the bye, so everybody's well rested, waiting, ready to go. He's acted like he's a starter for two weeks. He's prepared. Now, will we have a little bit of jitters? Probably. But I still think Tua is a guy that shines in the prime time when he came off the bench from with Alabama to win the Natty in the second half against UGA a few years ago. I think he's made for this moment. I'm taking Dolphins plus four, and I wouldn't be shocked if Dolphins win this game outright. Yeah, you, you've been high on the Dolphins. Um, I was thinking about taking the Rams. Ah. I am going to take the Rams at minus three and a half. The thing is, I can see why you really like the Dolphins. This is, once again, this is a reason why I like the Seahawks, uh, or I like the Dolphins against the Seahawks a couple a couple weeks ago. First off, home dog. They're, home dogs are always really, like, appetizing to look at as a, as a yeah. gambler because that just seems like one of the more consistent ways to make money. The other thing is that... um. Like you got to travel all the way across America um, to, to play this Dolphins team. This could easily be a trap game off of a off a Monday night game against the Bears. Short, on a week. short week, like th- this is a tough game for the Rams. I just once again kind of like now this has screwed me before. It's just almost I got to see it to believe it with the Dolphins. I think that this line is giving the Dolphins a little bit too much credit. This is a quarterback in his first start. I know that a lot of the signs, you know, the natural signs like bye week, you know, short week for the Rams, all the stuff, you know, travel distance and whatnot is, is pointing towards the Dolphins. But last time I thought like that, the Dolphins burned me and I had less points on the spread. This time I'm going to try and not let the past burn me again. So I'm going to be going on the other side of this one and I'm going to be going with the Rams. My next pick I'm going to be going with the Colts minus um, mm-hmm. minus three. Really? Um, this is just a game where I think that the uh, the Lions are, are are you know yes they're a home dog, but honestly I think that the the Colts would be getting a little bit more points against them. Like I think that the spread would be like minus three and a half, minus four. If the Lions lose last week, which they should have, Todd Gurley, if he goes down, stays in bounds, I think the Falcons win that game. And then this is a more than a three-point spread. I do think that the Colts are just a better football team than the Lions. This is a Colts team that if their offense is able to put points on the board, then I think they will win the game. That, that's basically it. If you're a Colts team, you just put points on the board, play good defense. I think their defense... You know, the Lions with Stafford, and, and now that their offense is a little bit healthy, they could put up points against anyone. But I, I think I've just seen too much too much good from the Colts' defense to um to say outright that, oh, this, this Lions' defense is gonna, just going to destroy them. I do like the Colts this week, but I am kind of skeptical. I like the two and a half a lot more than the three, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to bet on that game. That game's a little too iffy for me. I, I, if I did, I'd probably bet Colts with you. But my next pick, I'm taking Saints minus four. I got it yesterday. I, I just think like the Bears got exposed last week, really this week. 
But, dude, I think the Saints are kind of finding their groove a little bit. They can. I know their defense is still kind of like a little questionable to me. But you know, like this is a their run defense is still elite. You know, it is elite. And for the Bears to be success successful, they got to trust in their run game. And if Nick Foles has to drop back forty times a game, I don't think he gets it done. And the Saints can mop the floor with the Bears. Yeah, I think the real question with the Saints, though, is what's going on with their receivers? Are you getting Michael Thomas, and are you getting Emmanuel I don't think Sanders? Michael Thomas. I don't think Michael Thomas is playing this week again. Yeah, so I was thinking about taking the Saints coming into the episode. I think I'm going to stay off just because, once again, like betting against this many home dogs is always a little ballsy. Uh, I'm not confident enough to bet on the Bears because, God, man, that offense is so hard to watch. Watching, you know, because I like a lot of the players in that Bears offense, but, man, watching whatever quarterback it is just miss open receivers and just the overall lack of a running attack is just unbearable to me to watch on a consistent basis. Um, But with that being said, I'm going to be taking the Dolphins-Rams under a 46 going back to this game. Um, I, I just think that this is a game where it's going to be a little scrappier than people expect. Um, the Rams offense has not really been performing up to expectations. And I do think that with quality talent on the Rams defensive side of the football, with guys like Aaron Donald and mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Ramsey, um, I, you know, I expect him to struggle a little bit. I expect him to come out there and be a little nervous and be more focused on taking care of the football and trying not to lose instead of going out there and, and, and really challenging the defense and trying to win. Um, I know that's kind of like a little bit of a baseless prediction, but I mean, on top of that, the, the Dolphins offense, it's not act like they have talent across the board. This is a Dolphins offense that coming into the season, we expected to struggle a little bit. And you saw that Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran quarterback, while he may not have the talent of Tua Tagovailoa against top quality defenses, the Dolphins offense has struggled and I expect that trend to continue. Yeah, so uh, my final pick of the week is 49ers. I got them at plus three and a half. I like them over Seahawks. 49ers look hot. The two back-to-back blowout wins. Seahawks 49ers games are always a doozy, always close. But I like the the 49ers to cover the spread here and possibly win the game. Yeah, I, I do like that 49ers pick. Um, so I'm just going to go through my last couple of picks real quick. I'm going to be taking the Pan- not the Panthers, the Packers minus 6.5. This is mainly just, I really think that the Vikings don't match up against the Packers well. Um, the Packers pass rushers, mainly Zadarius Smith, has just caused the, the Vikings so many issues time in and time again in this matchup. So I don't think I can I can take the Vikings here. Um I, I just – the Packers, I have firmly them winning by seven points. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take the six and a half. If it was minus seven, I don't think I would take it. I, I just have them in that teaser like I do. But I do think the Packers win this one by a touchdown. I'm going to be taking the Bills-Patriots over 42 and a half. These are two offenses that have been struggling recently. But I do expect both offenses to play a little bit better this week. Um you know, it, and there have been some weird circumstances, especially for the Bills. I mean, they had to play on freaking Tuesday and, and all that bull crap like that. That just really fucks with the schedule. 
Um, and, and Patriots, it's just Bailey mainly been down to Cam Newton. Cam Newton has not been playing well. The receivers haven't been able to get open. But I, I trust in Belichick. I trust that he's going to be able to find a way, him and McDaniels, to get the offense's wheels turning a little bit here on the road. And, and the other reason I like the over is just I, I like the Bills being home here. I think if the Bills were on the road, I wouldn't be as confident in the over. I think that, you know, Josh Allen can get a little bit of a funk, but, you know, between the talent on the Bills' side of the football and I think, you know, just the coaching on the the Patriots' side, I think that both offenses turn around this week. So I really like that over 42-and-a-half. I'm going to be taking the Chargers minus three against the Broncos. Chargers, just at the end of the day, have been one of the best teams against the spread. They've only lost one yeah. game against the spread this season, even though they're a two-and-four football team. You're getting three points against a bad Broncos team, even though they're at home. I'll take the Chargers minus three. I think at worst this is really a push. Yeah, I could see the the Broncos going out there maybe causing a few turnovers against a rookie quarterback and winning, but at the end of the day, I'll take Herbert while he's hot and that offense while he's hot. Keenan Allen's just getting healthier. And my last pick, I'm going to be taking a home dog. I'm going to be taking the Giants plus 11.5. I just think this is one of those scenarios where it's just too many points. Um, I, I think the Giants are a team that's really being underrated. Um, they, they have Sterling Shepard back, who looked really good last week. And, you know, I'm pretty sure last week was one of the first games, either first or second, that you had Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton all at the field at the same time. And the Giants' offense was able to move the ball if it weren't for Evan Ingram dropping a an open pass from Daniel yeah. Jones and the Giants' defense kind of just getting yeah. torched there in the fourth quarter. That's a win for the Giants, and I think that it's a single-digit spread, so... Um, even though the Bucks have been playing well, I think this is kind of a little bit of a trap game. It's a, it's on prime time, which is always a little wacky. But I think that Joe Judge, up against his former, um, I don't know what do you, what do you call it? Like he, he played with Brady, he coached Brady, his former player, his former yeah, player in Tom Brady. You know, he may he may have a little things up his sleeve to maybe throw Brady off, which I'm also hoping for. So I'll be taking the the Giants plus eleven and a half. And with that being said, we're going to go into our final segment, a new little segment that we're going to be trying to do every week. It's called Dog of the Week. Dog. dog of the Week. <laughs> Steve, you want to go to your Dog of the Week real quick? Yeah, my Dog of the Week, like, I was debating on who I was going to take, Raiders, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to stick with the 49ers. I can get them now. I got them at plus 135 money line. I think that's tremendous value for this team. A team that seems like they're starting to put it together. Jimmy G's hot. Kittle's getting involved. And the run game, Mostert and McKinnon not even really playing last week. And I know Jeff Wilson just went down. But I trust any back that um, Shanny puts out there. I like them to beat the Seahawks. I still don't think the Seahawks are – like, Dunlap's not going to play this week. I still don't like the Seahawks' defense too much. I know they got Russ, and Russ can carry this team. But the 49ers, these two always play a great game. You look at the two games last year, great games. But I like the 49ers just to keep the hot streak going. And they're going to be my dog of the week. Yeah, so my dog of the week is going to be the team I was just gassing. It's going to be the Giants. You can get them. Oh, the you can get them at plus 12 on DraftKings now, actually, not plus 11 and a half. Um, and then you can get their money line plus 480, probably on some books, like plus 500. 
I just really like the value of the Giants this week. I know that the Buccaneers have been playing well, and I wouldn't be surprised if they blew them out, but I just think that this is going to be a game where the Giants come out ready to play a really tough loss against the Eagles on Thursday night, but you you get a long week here ready to prepare. You're, I just think that the Giants are going to come out you know, really with that underdog mentality and be ready to play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So, with that, that's probably going to be... Yeah, this episode is running really long. Jesus. Um, that's going to be <laughs> the end to this episode. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. If you want some more content, please check out 3rdand20.com. We have consistent content coming on there. Consistent content going out there all the time. But thank you so much for listening, and peace out. I was scared of dentists and the dark I was scared of pretty girls and starting conversations All my friends are turning green You're the magician's assistant in their dreams